Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. For best performance by an actress in a leading role, the nominees are Judy Davis in A Passage to India, (laughs) Sally Field in Places in the Heart, (laughs) Jessica Lange in Country, (laughs) Vanessa Redgrave in The Bostonians, (laughs) Sissy Spacek in The River. And the winner is Sally Field in Places in the Heart. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 1985 ceremony year win for Sally Field for the movie Places in the Heart. Um, This was a very interesting year in that we had seen three of the same movies uh, (laughs) nominated at once. uh, And we'll get into that. But um, very quickly, 1985 Oscars, Best Picture went to Amadeus. Best Director went to Milos Forman for Amadeus. Uh, Best Actor went to F. Murray Abraham for Amadeus. Best Supporting Actor went to Hang uh, S in your, I for sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize for The Killing Fields. And Best Supporting Actress went to Peggy Ashcroft for A Passage to India, which is interesting because she actually won Best Lead Actress at BAFTA. Uh, Another thing that we will talk about later. Uh, Today I am joined by a fellow stand-up comedian. He has over 20 million views on his Instagram and his Instagram handle is at StandUpDylan. It's Dylan Mahaney. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I'm so good. I did it. You know, I said Mahaney. It's Mahaney, right? And I, I even practiced and I still fucked it up. It, it, it happens all the time. And it, I actually, one of my best friends, we've been, we've been friends for seven years and she's a comedian as well. And anytime she introduces me, it's, it's always Mahaney. Um, so it, 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 it's not something that I take offense to, okay. but I like to, I like to just kind of poke fun at it. It's Mahaney. It's Mahaney. <laughs> I mean, my name, it's interesting. My name is phonetic, but like people call me Brown Wig, Brown Ning, uh, Brown Ridge, Brown Pig. Um, I've, I, like, I've, I like Brown Pig. Yeah. I, I would I would run with that. I've, yeah, I've, I've really, I've truly, one time I was performing at Rumors Comedy Club in um, Winnipeg and they billed me as Kurt Browning. Oh, that's, that's way off. Yes, like not like totally different person. Anybody listening, because this is an international podcast, he is a famous uh, Canadian figure skater, um, not a stand up comedian. I had um, a, a national news, uh, you would know at CTV Your Morning. Uh, they introduced me as Dylan Mahoney. Um, so that was, you know, they're just, they're just doing their own thing. They're doing their own thing. If it was a drag queen reading you, it's like Dylan Maholi. All right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're digging up some childhood trauma here. <laughs> well, I think all of the names that I listed for myself, they were all childhood traumas. That's yes. grand. We haven't we haven't talked about about the the you know the the very obvious choice with the first and last name, but you know we we can leave that one unsaid. For you or for me? For me. Okay, what is it now? I need to know. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, 
with Dylan, what does that make you think? Like, I listen. I got called Dildo Mahorny a lot. <laughs> what? I wouldn't yes. have. Not, <laughs> that wouldn't have been my first go-to. <laughs> well, I mean, children are terrible. Dildo. I was just called faggot. We were very simple back then. <laughs> we were very simple back then. I mean, faggot. Faggot came uh, in high school. So this is this is elementary, oh. like grade four. Okay. Yeah. I was. For me, it was definitely like kindergarten. <laughs> Children were <laughs> awful in Ottawa. Yeah, just little cunts. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, Dildo Mori, thank you. Thank you for being a guest on this episode. Uh, <laughs> shout out to everybody in New Brunswick. Um, yeah, go fuck yourself. Everyone. Yeah, really. I Yeah, seriously, with that dildo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, Dylan Mahaney. Mahaney. Okay. So um, it's so interesting because, you know, I only have so many years left for lead actress on this show. And um, I always like to ask, because you told me that like movies aren't necessarily your thing, but that um, I thought it would be interesting to bring you in because you, it, it might give sort of like a funny perspective, um, you know, for these films and the things that the, the nominees that we're going to talk about. But is there any particular reason like why you picked um, from that list, uh, Sally Field, Places in the Heart? Well, obviously, I know who who Sally Field is. Um, now, I will say, typically, when I watch a movie, it has Melissa McCarthy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that really should give you a really good idea of the taste uh, of and quality of film I look for. Uh, there have been several conversations that I've had with people that really understand movies and and know a lot about movies and and cultural references from movies. Uh, I'll talk with them and and they'll say a name of a movie or or, or an actor uh, and and I'll have no idea what's going on. So I thought you know I, I could have easily gone with with something more recent, but I figured let's let's go with something that that was before I was born. Um, and, and this, this year was, you know, 85, it's a really good year because this is when, um, and and this will really give you an insight into the type of entertainment that I consume. 85 was a very special year because that's when Janet Jackson was working on her control album, uh, which really catapulted her to, to stardom. So, uh, that's, that's where I went with. Well, see, because Catherine Niker is like a beloved guest on this show. She gets a lot of praise and love from mm-hmm. get, like uh, listeners. They send her messages and she is the hugest Janet Jackson stan. I know that you and she bonded over this. Yeah. So uh, we're actually, we, the first time we met, uh, ironically, I was wearing a Janet Jackson shirt um, <laughs> and uh, we had, we completely forgot where we were, um, which was actually at, <laughs> at your show. And uh, we talked about our favorite Janet Jackson albums. We talked about our favorite Janet Jackson songs. Turns out we also really love Mariah Carey and we're going to see Madonna together. And this was decided the moment (laughs) that we met each other. I asked her the first time I ever asked a woman to come home with me. (laughs) Oh, I know you told me. And it's so funny because I went to go see Beyonce with Catherine and it's just like, she just like collects like gay men and their music, and she she has the the musical taste of a gay man. 
So yes, yes, yeah. she well, she also and I quizzed her hard. I was like, let me let me go through the gayest stuff that I have possible, and she even knows who Girls Aloud is, uh, which is 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 so. Like that's like extreme gay because this is a girl <laughs> group that isn't even famous in North America, and she knows girls allowed. Um, I'm looking this up right now. Was that the one with Cheryl Cole? Yes, Cheryl Tweedy Cole, and then a, a few others. I was weirdly listening to Las Culturistas, and they literally because they're in the UK right now, and Michelle Visage has like a radio show over there, and they had to explain who Girls Aloud were. Like I'm talking like two hours ago, I was at the gym listening to a full on TED talk of people from the UK explaining to North Americans what Girls Aloud was. It is so random that you just brought that up. It it is it, like I have. I've had, I had a whole relationship with a man who I didn't like at all. The only reason why I dated him was because he knew who Girls Aloud was. <laughs> so that's like, they're a big deal for me. It's so oh, apparently, yes. I used to date a guy because he had a constant stash of Oxycontin. Um, and I hated him. So, you know, we all have our. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the oxycotton would um, that would help the hate though, like that would that would make <laughs> oh, yeah. the hate disappear. Oh no! Because when I came down from that shit, I was such a cunt to him. <laughs> well, coming down off of anything wouldn't that make you a monster? Yeah, I know. I just I I talk about drugs so openly, and my mom she called me. She's like, Kyle, like maybe you need to tone it down just a bit with the drug talk. I think <laughs> people think that you have like a really bad problem. I'm like, I know. I just I think I just am more honest about it. Like it sounds like I do drugs like all the fucking time. I don't. Just Saturday. Just Saturday. Just, just Saturday. Yeah. See, I don't. I I don't do drugs at all. I don't. I've never been drunk. Um. But uh, you've never been I, drunk. No, I've never been drunk. So you're the one. You're the one gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I like. I've never. Um, there. I live such a boring. Like you know, we've we've had this conversation against your will. Um, but I'm I'm a bird watcher. Uh, so I I go on my morning walks. Um, every once in a while, like today I felt spicy. So I had a, I had a coffee. Um, but most days it's just, it, it's just chia seeds, oats, some, some yogurt and, and bird watching. And then I'm, I'm back home in time for an afternoon nap. Okay. So I was uh, another, it's so weird that you brought up bird watching because there is actually something in the news right now in Canada about how they're changing the names of various birds because they were named after problematic historical figures. Okay, I that hasn't gotten to me yet. This is this is big for me. I'm I'm writing this down right now. I watched it this morning. I cannot remember the names of the birds. It was a yellow bird. That's all I remember. And they were in uh, Trinity Bellwoods, and this this old man was um, extremely passionate. I thought maybe it was you in bio drag. <laughs> And he was very, very passionate about this. And um, he's talking about the new generation of bird watching. And again, I just thought this is so weird that I'm having um, Dylan Mahaney on my show today. And I know that he's like an avid <laughs> bird watcher. Uh, okay, we listen, we got we got to get into these movies because we could just go on about yeah. these various topics for for uh, but this is I think this is a good introduction to our listeners just to sort of see 
you know, who you are. Um, so I always like to say that, um, you know, we never, I never watch these, uh, I, I never mentioned or talk about these movies in any particular order. That's usually just the, uh, the order that I watch them in. So the first nominee, uh, that I would like to talk about <clears throat> is Jessica Lange in country. This is the only Oscar nominated performance of hers that I have never seen. And I was kind of excited to see it. Um, also just giving a heads up. This year, um, I had mentioned off the top, there's a very similar theme to a lot of these um, uh, nominees in that uh, Places in the Heart and The River with Sissy Spacek and Country are all these like farm movies um, that came out in the same year. And if I'm being frank, a lot of these movies in my memory have like kind of like blended together and i think i'm going to just trigger warning be misspeaking a lot although when do i not on this podcast but just really misspeaking about um plot points because it's all blurred together for me and if i'm being i i just i cannot specifically remember a lot of things of country without being like oh well that was when they were trying to save um the farm from flooding from the river i'm like oh no wait that was sissy space it's this was all just one giant movie to me um so we're just giving you a heads up on that so very quickly the movie country with jessica lang um Gilbert and wife Jewel are farmers, period. They seem to be working against the odds, producing no financial surplus. Gilbert has lost hope of ever becoming prosperous, but his wife decides to fight for her family. And technically it is Jessica Lange's family's farm. So she has more of a tenacious or tenacity uh, of a reason to want to save it. Um, And again, it's like, you know, they're having foreclosure with the bank and then they have to like auction items off and, um, a lot of really confusing uh, plot points. Um, but, you know, Jessica Lang, I think that she could kind of do this role in her sleep. I think that for the time, uh, she was kind of an Oscar darling. Um, I think that this is a compelling story for middle America, um, especially during this time. And so I can understand why the Oscars would have singled out this um, performance, but overall, I would say that like all of these movies, except for maybe a passage to India, were so fucking boring. And <laughs> this was not one of my favorite years. Um, it's not as bad as Jessica Lange in Blue Sky. That one was hilarious. That was one of the most hilariously bad years in Oscar history. But this one, frankly, is not that far off. But it does kind of make for a funny thing to talk about. So anyway, um, I'm going to just pass this off to you, Dylan. What did uh, you think of this movie? And what did you think of Jessica Lange? Um, so, so this movie was very interesting. Uh, I learned, <clears throat> I learned a lot, and I think it's you know, as you mentioned, we we have three movies about farming. Uh, it, it the fact that the they were living off of nine thousand dollars a year um, <laughs> really stood out to me. I thought her performance in in the movie. You now, listen, the the movie itself was quite boring. Um, but I, I thought her performance was was well enough. Uh, I think I, I think she showed herself to be a, a strong woman uh, in, in this role. Um, it, it, the movie itself was 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 definitely difficult to to get through. It was it was really um, it, it was long. <laughs> um, 
that's that's one thing that I noticed was it, it was it was just long. Like there's so many things. I I had chickens um, when I lived with lesbians because that lesbians just gather animals, uh, <laughs> and and farming is very interesting. And yet they the country made it just horrible. <laughs> well, it, I think it was more supposed to be about her everything kind of. Um, having to fight against the odds, including her relationship with her husband, who kind of just like gives up on the farm and like gives up on the family. And it really falls onto Jessica Lange um, to really do something about that. And at one point, because he develops a really bad drinking problem, he like physically assaults his son and then he assaults her and then she takes like a two by four with a nail in it and just starts like beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And th- those moments where you're like, ah, okay, here we go. This is what I wanted. I think we're few and far between. And that's what really hurt this movie because it just all started to become like a bit of a blur. And because you have three similarly nominated performances um, these movies became like repetitive and kind of like a chore to watch. And yeah. I don't really know if Jessica Lang had a big moment in this movie that would really stand out to me as being like the, wow, that was the Oscar movie, the, the Oscar moment. I think it was more what the story represented and the, and the fact that they were making such a compelling uh, film that would speak to middle America in the 1980s. I think that us as like gay city kids, I I don't really know if, you know, this is something that we would find compelling or interesting or want to engage with. But didn't you say that you were from a farm in New Brunswick or you grew up in the country? I I definitely grew up in the country. Okay. Um, And and so I I will say, you know, with this movie and and with the the other two in in terms of uh, in terms of the farming movies, um, definitely watching people be isolated and and struggle with money and kind of worried about how to make it through the winter. That's something that I've experienced with my family. That's something that I've experienced just kind of watching um, people that I know experience that that are living in in uh, rural places. Um, I do agree with you that the the kind of big moment that actually was left really like it left you wanting more was when she defended herself a- against her husband. Um, which, by the way, he was drunk and he was irritated. But the thing that set him off was when he was uh, when he was trying to enjoy the sparrows in the barn, and uh, the son said, y- "You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, fuck the sparrows.'" Um, and that really set him off. And that's really relatable to me um, because if I was watching a bird and and somebody said, oh, who gives a shit about the bird? I would probably attack them as well. Um, <laughs> but she did have this moment of, you know, she, and even before that, she was starting to kind of come into her own as, as uh, you know, the character rather was coming into her own. And then she fights off her her drunk husband and she grabs the kid and i was like i i really was like okay here's here's the big moment and she just walked away and i i feel like that like the movie itself kind of failed her where she really did have the potential to have this big moment and this big speech but it didn't have enough chance to rumiate 
before it went to the next scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it was, it was a really pivotal moment for her. Uh, and, and I, I just feel like we were, we were shortchanged with that. I think so. I mean, also there was just a lot of confusing plot points. I mean, even whenever um, they receive like th- the 30 days notice, as a viewer, I was confused by it. And also the characters were confused by it as well. And um, even, okay, so at the end, whenever she kind of stands up to the people that are auctioning off the estate of that uh, person's farm, and um, she's like, we're not buying any of this stuff and we're not giving you any money. And he basically just kind of argues with her logic and says like, we can just take your items to another town you know, and they'll just buy it. Like you haven't stopped anything. And then she kind of just says like, you can't get rid of us. Yeah. And then you're like, well, but they can though. And then her husband actually comes home in the end, question mark. I was confused by that as well. So it was just a very unsatisfactory viewing experience because it was just um, confusing. And I just think that Jessica Lange could have done this in her sleep And I feel like this Oscar nomination wasn't necessarily because it was this big grand performance. I think it was more like what it represented to, you know, small town America. Yeah. And, and I mean, so Jessica Lange's father uh, in the movie, Otis, um, after, at the end of the movie, once they, like once she reconnected with Gil, her husband, um, Otis went on to actually support the family by making diabetes commercials. Oh, so that's a that's a joke. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I guess he, he looks like that old guy who would do the diabetes commercials from the nineties. <laughs> it's the way you said it so seriously. I was like, oh, like I was like, what? This is this is how I had to like I had to make up you know, stories. Yeah, I get make it. Make up stories to in order for me to be able to to get through it. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I I agree. This this probably was something that was really relevant at the time uh, in in terms of being able to support the family and and have money coming in. And uh, it's just so unrelatable to city gays at this point. I mean, I don't really know if we need to linger on this performance or this movie that much. Do you have anything else that you want to add to Jessica Lange's performance before we move on? She did the best she could with what she had. Yeah, I mean, she's a great actress. The thing is, is that all of these actresses are incredibly talented and you can only deliver what's in the script and what the director is, you know, directing. The thing is, is that I just don't really think that any of these movies are really that great. Um, But, you know, very talented performers. It's just, yeah, none of these movies were like... I didn't, I, I think of, of the five, I think A Passage to India was probably like the most interesting. I like David Lean, um, but okay, let, let's talk about the next movie though. Um, let's talk about um, Vanessa Redgrave in The Bostonians. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, I would, I would, I would say that The Bostonians is arguably the most boring movie in this five. <laughs> and um According to the Turner Classic Movie website, the origin of the term Boston marriage, which 
means in the late 19th century came to describe a marriage like relationship between two women who who live independently together without a man's support. And it is attributed to Henry James and his novel. James is believed to have drawn the inspiration for Olive, uh, the character that is played by Vanessa Redgrave and her fellow suffragettes from his sister, Alice, who lived with another woman in a Boston marriage. So at the time they would call it a Boston marriage. Today we would just call that like lesbians or queer. This movie is very queer coded. Um, Mm Actress Jodie Foster and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio were considered for the role of Verena Tarrant, which in the end was cast to newcomer Madeline Potter. And if you want to talk about an unsatisfactory ending, okay, here we go with like a 38-year-old spoiler here uh, for anybody that's not seen this movie. Um, She... This this girl, so very quickly, so I, a Boston feminist and a conservative Southern lawyer contend for the heart and mind of a beautiful and bright girl unsure of her future. So basically, Vanessa Redgrave is like fighting for Madeline Potter, uh, Verena, uh, because she believes in the how compelling she is as a, an orator and she wants her to inspire people so that they can get the vote for women. But she believes that if she um, ends up with uh, Christopher Reeves, because he's just going to take her away and make her his wife, and therefore she won't be able to help the cause for the suffragette. But the movie is like very lesbian and like very queer coded. Um, And I guess for like, I guess that's the only way that you could get away with that kind of subject matter, like in the eighties, um, with like a a queer narrative, but like just as a a gay person, like watching this, it was just a very strange, um, it was just a very strange viewing experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And anyway, long story short, she, uh, Vanessa Redgrave is building up Verena, the whole movie and fighting for her. And then at the end, when she has to give her, you know, inspiring, stirring speech, she freaks out. And just walks out of the theater and then Vanessa Redgrave gives the speech to like 10 people and then it's the end of the movie. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That was the most bitch of an unsatisfactory ending I think I've ever seen in a movie in a very, very long time. I did not understand the point of this Mm -hmm. movie. I did not understand because women eventually did get the vote. So I thought, you know, usually you would have this sort of like cruel irony with that kind of an ending. But no, no. Historically speaking, like they ended up women can vote. So it was like the suffragette movement was very successful. So I just didn't understand why we needed to to see. We told this story and um, I just didn't understand. Uh, I just I didn't understand this movie. Uh, anyway, those are my initial thoughts. Dylan, uh, what did you think? I I agree. It was it, it was confusing. The relationship between um, Olive and Verena was extremely confusing because they were extremely physically affectionate with each other, um, and yet nothing was was really addressed. Um, so like that it, that for me was was really uh, it was odd to see that happen. Um, there were there were some moments where I laughed and simply because I was confused around the the narrative. So if you remember, uh, Christopher Reeve was was brought in as Olive's cousin, and mm. she was trying so hardly to 
hook up her sister with Christopher, uh, but her sister somehow is not his cousin. Like that in itself is confusing. Cause it's like, I, I like, I'm no mathematician, yeah. but like, I'm pretty sure like the way that the family works is like, that would also be his cousin. Uh, so like just the relationships in general were, were quite confusing. Um, and then I, I also agreed, like it was, it, it, it ended in such a stupid way. You, you know, at, at, if you look at it, of course, Olive, uh, who, who's uh, played by Vanessa, is, you know, she finds her own. Finally, she she's able to find her own voice, which she was essentially talking through Verena. Uh, she, she finds her own voice and there's, you know, three people that are sitting there. Uh, in in the auditorium and and you know they're they're halfway walking out and I also noticed too that all of those big moments where you could really have a nice like you could, you could have a speech and and it can be very empowering uh, they cut they cut through while those were happening. Uh, there was never a moment where somebody was, uh, you know, whether it be Olive or Verena, when they were giving these these moving speeches, there was always kind of like a B story that was happening and, and the, the dialogue was happening while the speeches were given. So I, I feel like they were kind of failed in that where there wasn't really this like, oh, women do deserve to vote and, and have equality because it's just kind of like, well, a woman's speaking, so we can just, you know, go over here and have a real conversation. Yeah, right. I mean, the thing that also became very frustrating about um, this movie and this possessive relationship that Vanessa Redgrave um, had with uh, Verena was that it just started becoming like really, really repetitive. Like she kept um, just like being like, oh, like. I will educate you. I will, I will show you the way of how to be a wonderful speaker and, and to become more passionate and protective of, you know, the suffragette movement and the vote for women. And, and then she'd be like, so don't you stay away from Christopher Reeves, which by the way, Christopher Reeves was a snack back in the eighties. Oh my God. So hot. So hot. And then he would kind of come in, digmatize her. Fair enough, girl. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. And then she, would go back to Vanessa Redgrave. Verena would go back to Vanessa Redgrave and be like, oh, I can't believe that I did that. Please, like, help me not do that again. And then she'd have this long, drawn-out speech about passion and blah, blah, blah. And then a lot of of kissing on the cheek, a lot of caressing, a lot of touching. Again, very queer-coded. And then Christopher Reeves comes back, and then she goes back to him, and then she, she comes back after being with Christopher Reeves and she's like, Oh, teach me how to not do the guy. And I'm like, Oh my God, this movie was like two hours long or whatever. And it it felt like five. It just became uh, really dull, really boring, really repetitive. And, you know, Vanessa Redgrave, this is a, this is a role speaking of queer coding, because she actually won the best supporting uh, actress Oscar for the film, Julia, which is also extremely queer coded in my opinion. And so perhaps that's why she was um, not only nominated, but selected for this role because it's something that like they feel very, she feels very comfortable in and it's something that people can picture her in. But for me, Vanessa Redgrave will always be, I mean, 
I always make a joke about how it was one of the first episodes that we did at this podcast and how she kept, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Howard's End and how she ke- she keeps inviting you to go to Howard's End. And so for me, it's like Vanessa Redgrave um, is just this actress who, um, you know, is ex- boiled down to an expression <laughs> in my in my sort of experience. But it's just she's... Uh, an extremely accomplished actress, extremely talented actress, but she always kind of gets, for me, my favorite um, nomination that she ever had that I think that I would have given her an Oscar for was Mary Queen of Scots. Um, But I also thought that Glenda Jackson did a much better job like in that movie, but that's a different, that's a different episode. You should look that episode up. But the point is, is that Vanessa Redgrave, this is a role that I've seen her in before. And so it also just adds to the repetition because it's nothing new here. Um, and yeah, I just, this movie was so painful. It was such an unsatisfactory ending. And if anybody is listening, I do not recommend a watch. Right. And, and, and like, I also couldn't help think like, you, you know, they're talking about women's equality, uh, and you know, look at, look at women now, like they've fine, finally they've made it women, women have equal pay and, and they're able to do what they want with their body. And, and it, it's just, it, it's nice to be able to watch what was at one time. Mm-hmm. But do they have equal pay? I don't think so. So that's another joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you say it with such conviction that I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Um, and also let's not forget Vanessa was paying Verena's parents Mm -hmm. for her to live with her. Wait, what? Yes. She was writing the checks to her parents. So that way she could groom her. Mm. There's a lot of, there's a, there was a lot of like interesting stuff that, that was going on that didn't necessarily make sense, but, uh, yeah, she was, she was paying her parents, because if you remember her father at the at the beginning, when when Verena was giving her first speech, he had his hands on her head and essentially like it, it almost looked like they were about to do a seance or something. Uh, and he he powered her up and she gave this big, compelling speech. And then uh, Vanessa went and said, I want her to stay with me. And they're like, mm, I don't I'm not really sure about that. And she's like, I'll pay you monthly. Okay. And then she she wrote a check and and and, you know. I, okay, but like, I, I just, like this movie, I, I, like there are so, I have s- too many questions. <laughs> I just, and you know, the, the, for me, the red flag was that it was free on the movie app Tubi. <laughs> yes. Oh, I signed up for the trial too. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, it's a free app. So it's, you know, you just like when something is on Tubi, I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a yikes. But, for me, like, I think Vanessa Redgrave shines when she's inviting people to Howard's End. And I think, um, you know, Verena can be invited to with Emma Thompson for tea and crumpets at Howard's End. And that would have been a more interesting film. I do not like this film and I do not recommend it to anybody. But congratulations, Vanessa Redgrave, on your nomination. Hey, Best Actress listeners, enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. 
Best Actress podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Um, okay, let's talk about Sissy Spacek in The River, which is what I like to call country part two. Or, <laughs> or country, like the, the fourth act. Um, I feel kind of gross saying this, but Mel Gibson was a real snack in this movie. Yeah. Very yeah. sad made me very uncomfortable to be attracted to him. I know we were sending each other messages to validate each other's feelings. <laughs> um, so Sissy Spacek was cast in the lead due to her acclaimed best actress, Oscar winning performance in coal miners daughter. Uh, and also from the fact that she lived in a farm near Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, if anybody, if you've listened to this podcast and you know me at all, you know that The Coal Miner's Daughter is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I have to watch it at least like once a year. Um, That is an amazing movie. Um, The River is not. Uh, I would not, I would also not recommend a viewing um, of this film. Although I would say it was better than country. Like so far, if like we're going to yes. start ranking these farm movies, I would say country was probably like the, like number three. I would put this one at number two of the ranking yeah. farm movies. Um, yeah. So movie stars, Jessica Lange, Sissy Spacek uh, and Jane Fonda were uh, all invited to testify before the House Democrats' Farm Task Force dealing with the emotional toll of the financial stress experienced by farmers in the late 1980s. The three actresses were invited to this Capitol Hill meeting due to their film performances as troubled farmers in each of their current farm fills from that era. The pictures were Country, The River, and The Dollmaker. Another farming picture at that time was Places in the Heart, which we'll talk about later, starring Sally Field, but she did not attend the hearings. So this was a, so this was a very relevant topic. And so this is why all of these movies were nominated, but does it make for a good viewing experience? You know, 38 years later, not so much, but anyway, Sissy Spacek doesn't really have a lot of screen time in this movie. She is um, a a farmer's wife. Mel Gibson is the uh, husband and he Basically, is like if you've ever seen that South Park episode where they're like, they took our germs. <laughs> kind of just like has that energy and comes into every conflict with violence. Like anytime that he's like, I'm getting my farm back. You ain't telling me where to go. Like he just would show up with like a baseball bat and then like destroy everything or flip over um, the model of the dam or start punching people or start beating people. And the only thing part of the movie that I found kind of interesting was whenever they get brought in as um, temporary workers to work in that um, factory. But then when they get there, they find out that they're just replacing the people, the union people that are striking the factory. Yeah. And so the people that are striking hate them and are attacking them. I thought that that was the most interesting, compelling part of the story. Nothing to do with the farm, nothing to do with the actual river. And Hey, um, maybe don't, build a farm or maybe perhaps move sell sell they're like i refuse to sell it because they're trying to take my derb it's like just buy another farm like in the same county that's away from this massive body of water that keeps flooding can yeah. can you also explain to me like why this river 
and staying near the river is so important to you, that was also very unclear. It's like, clearly, this is a sinking ship. Clearly, they're offering you money to get the fuck out of there and start somewhere else fresh. I really, I just, I didn't understand why Mel Gibson was so like, I refuse to leave and I will only meet every challenge with violence. Um, Sissy SpaceX performance was also very brief, um, but it was good. I mean, it's Sissy SpaceX, like she's going to do a good job, but do we need to nominate Meryl Streep because she's Meryl Streep? It's like, no, like the the movie has to also be good as well. And it just, it simply, it just wasn't, I, I don't, I cannot in my mind think of one Sissy SpaceX moment that stood out to me in this film as like, wow, that was, the the part I remember was when she gets her arm like caught in that chain under a tractor and she has to like yeah. provoke a bull to kind of knock the tractor over so that she can um, become free. That's the only thing that I remember from this movie that stood out to me. So I just, that's, I'm sorry, that's not enough for me to be nominated for an Oscar. I just, I find, I also find this nomination very confusing. Um, uh, Dylan, what did you think? <laughs> I, I I agree with everything you said, it, it, you know, um, it, and there were so many commonalities between this one and country in terms of the auction and, and refusing to, to buy items at the auction and, and, you know, causing a ruckus. Um, it might've even been the same auctioneer. Um, it was a very good year for him. Uh, but it, it like, the the ideas and stuff like like I understand a, a you know the sentimental value of this is land that my family has worked and 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 it's ours and stuff like that but also at some point you know you have to protect your family you have to make decisions that are going to be wise and and clearly just building a, a little dike is not going to stop the river from going in and flooding your crop and, and just ruining your fucking life because the movie starts out with them dealing with that. And then they go a whole year and uh, you know, the movie ends with them trying to block the river from, from going back onto their property. So like at, at some point, like, you, you know, the, the rain is going to come mm-hmm. and it's going to ruin your fucking life. And yet you, you want to stay there. Um, I, I also agree that her, her biggest moment was, was when, you know, she's Mel Gibson is a, is away and, and he's doing his thing at the, at the plant and she's going to tend to the farm and, and she's, you know, this, the strong independent woman who's, who's doing it and, and she gets her arm stuck and it was, uh, I mean, here's the thing, the, <laughs> the the reaction to her getting her arm stuck and then all of a the sudden there's blood and, you know, it, it, she's it, it, like her life is over. She's dying there. She doesn't get this bull to to nudge this thing so she can get her arm free. It was just so boring to yeah, watch the exciting parts. And uh, yeah, it was it, it was it was a very uh disappointing film overall and there really wasn't any depth uh there wasn't any depth i didn't feel anything except boredom and and uh nap uh coming along while i was watching this Mm -hmm. uh it was it was was, i mean i i will say i will say seeing uh mel gibson at 
you know, in his tidy whities with abs, um, a little bit of chest hair. That was, Made that wasn't, it. it wasn't worth it, but it certainly was the highlight of the film. <laughs> I agree with you. And, you know, he acknowledged that because um, I have a quote here. Mel Mel Gibson later said that he regretted his portrayal of Tom Garvey because he was so stubborn that the audience lost sympathy for him and said that he had been miscast for the role because he was, quote, too young and pretty at the time. It's like, honey, that's the only reason that we are watching because (laughs) everything else. I will say this. Sa- um, I-, I will say this, uh, Sissy Spacek, I almost said Sally Field again, just these movies are blurring together yeah. in my mind, but Sissy Spacek was the only person that actually made sense in this movie because at one point she literally asks him why he is not asking for help. Yeah. And then he doesn't really have an answer and then he's like, get me my baseball bat. And he goes and he's going to start fucking beating the shit out of people. And so- her relationship with him, like basically what they're saying as an audience member, it's like, what's that saying? What that is saying to me is that you don't even understand your own husband. So it's like, if you don't understand him and we don't understand him, what is the point of this movie? Because we're all just as confused as you. So maybe they nominated her for acknowledging the stupidity of this plot line, perhaps. Um, also, another thing that tickled me was her stirring monologue about Sears and how she out am money. And I thought that was, um, I was like, oh yeah, I remember, remember Sears. It's like the, the Zellers well, of it, Canada. It, it, yes, I was I was thinking like, girl, if you just wait a couple of years, Sears is going to be out of, they're going to be asking, like they're bankrupt themselves. Just wait <laughs> like a couple of years. Long game. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I even actually wrote down, uh, this movie is called The River, except for the opening scene, there hasn't been a single scene with The River. Uh, what I have seen is a sinking ship of a farm and Mel Gibson going around threatening everybody. And I wrote, like, when he flips the model of The River over and breaks it, question mark, where is this damn river? I kept making like time signatures and you actually don't see the river again until the last like five minutes of the movie when they have a flood. Mm-hmm. And then also another thing that I found confusing was Sissy Spacek has like a romantic history with the yes. guy who wants to build the dam. And yes. she actually like rejects his advances basically consistently, but I thought maybe it would have been a little bit more interesting if there was more, um, maybe perhaps the suggestion of like an illicit affair, just something that would be interesting in this film because it was just terribly boring. I didn't find it compelling. I found it confusing. And I also am very confused why Sissy Spacek was singled out for an Oscar nomination. I, I agree. And to the point of the opening scene with the river, um, that actually was a brook. That wasn't a river. Interesting. Um, so when he's out fishing, and and by the way, fish that size do not live in brooks. Um, this is the country. This is the country coming out. Because um, I grew up on a river. And then there was a brook just down the street as well. Um, so like, like that just for me immediately I'm taken out of it. Cause like you're calling that fucking stream a river. This is like, this is not factual at all. And then all of a sudden they're showing like aerial shots and, uh, you know, clips of, of this giant river, which is not the same as the one that was shown, uh, at the beginning of the, of the movie. So, um, yes, that, that took me out of it, but for different reasons for, from you. 
That's funny. Um, okay, so the movie then also then the, the the title is also confusing, just to add to the confusion. So it should be called The Brook. <laughs> it should have been. It honestly, it should have been a short film, and it should not have been funded. I mean, I would watch just twenty minutes of Mel Gibson in his underwear. I'll be honest with you. I know, I know, he's a very problematic person, but just just physically, like it's a yes for me. Yeah, yeah, that was a. It was a, a very. That was the most confusing part. And it wasn't that the, it confused me in the movie. It confused me in my own life. It confused <laughs> me personally because I know he is a trash person, mm. but I could, yes, that was a, it was a very beautiful, beautiful scene. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was art. That was yes. true yes. art. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think we've uh, su- su- surmised the, the movie and our um, conflicting, confusing feelings, and I think we can move on. So let's talk about Judy Davis in A Passage to India. And um, this is her first Oscar nomination and for a David Lean film. Uh, the last time, like up until this point in history, that David Lean had made a film was for Ryan's Daughter. He actually took a 14-year hiatus from the industry after making uh, Ryan's Daughter in 1970 because of the insanely negative reviews of the film, which is interesting because when I watched Ryan's Daughter, it takes place in Ireland. Um, I thought that the cinematography was absolutely beautiful, Um, although I think it was actually mostly shot in Spain because they needed it to be sunny and it's like never sunny in Ireland. So that kind of killed that for me a little bit, but I didn't think Ryan's daughter was that bad, but anyway, he took a 14 year hiatus and this was his big uh, return. Um, And this movie, a little bit of a slow burn, but um, very quickly a, it's about, okay. Cultural mistrust and false accusations doom a friendship in British colonial India between an Indian doctor and English woman engaged to marry a citizen, a city magistrate and an English educator. So basically, um, Judy Davis is going to be married to, uh, the, oh my God, the city magistrate. And she arrives with his mother, AKA best supporting actress Oscar winning for this film, Peggy Ashcroft. And she is this very, um, what's the word that I would say to describe her? She's just a very, uh, not racist person, basically, because everybody in this movie, the race is very much at the core of the Mm -hmm. the plot of this film. So um, she is basically like one of the non-racist people other than um, the, I mean, let's be frank, the Indian people, because like their land was like colonized by the English. And so they're like putting up with all these white people shit. Um, and I think that the conversations that they have about race in this film are very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it just took a little too long to get there because the um, big inciting action uh, in the caves, I think it happened at like an hour and 30, hour and 20 into the movie. So by that point, in my mind, like most movies are like an hour and a half. It's like, I'm like, where is this movie going? I really um, didn't enjoy the way that the story was told. However, you have a lot of really, really great um, performances. I think that Victor um, Benerji, who played Dr. Aziz, the the guy who was accused of the um, 
almost rape that didn't actually happen. I think he should have been nominated for a supporting role uh, because I think that he was one of the best parts of the film. Um, And also you could almost argue that Peggy Ashcroft, who won Best Supporting Actress, should have been lead if Mm -hmm. Sissy Spacek is lead in The River. I think you could have bumped out um, Sissy Spacek or even Vanessa Redgrave, honestly. And I think you could have swapped in uh, Peggy Ashcroft and they could have been like a double nomination. But I think um, that Judy Davis's performance in this film of kind of being this naive English woman and then having the strength to admit that she was wrong and that she was confused and the emotional journey that she goes on, I think makes um, this one of the best performances in this category. And I actually understand her nomination here. You could argue a little bit of category fraud um, by saying she probably was a little bit more supporting, but Mm -hmm. whatever, let's just look at the way that it's presented. Um, I think that she is uh, one of the most deserving in this category. And this film, uh, I thought it was beautifully shot and it was probably the film that I enjoyed the most in these five. Um, and I think that Judy Davis was wonderful in it. So um, Dylan, what did you think? So I, I agree. This movie was, you know, it was, it was long. It, it took a, a long time to kind of get to the point. Um which evidently was the trial and the trial was about three minutes long, which was confusing because I feel like <laughs> that in itself could have really, uh, they, they had the opportunity with the trial to really tackle some of these prejudices, pre- prejudice, pre- prejudices, um, <laughs> the racism that, that was there. Uh, and and the classism that that was uh, talked about throughout the film as well. Um, I agree with you that the character of Mrs. Moore uh, was was a, a far better character uh, and and definitely portrayed something that was more moving. Um, so while while I agree that this movie was filmed uh well uh i i didn't really like it um <laughs> it was i i found a lot of the um like the b-roll if you will uh just it, it went on for too long like the scene where they're actually going to the caves which it took forever i felt like i was on the journey with them i know <laughs> uh, to just get to the fucking elephant um but there's a scene where or a cut where they're showing the little jingle bells on the feet of the elephant and that could have been like two or three seconds but it was it was almost like 10 minutes of just watching an elephant walking uh and it just like that to me kind of and and perhaps it's it's me just having ADHD and and we're so accustomed to uh like really quick things uh, in in this new age that that we're living in, where I just I it, it just kind of it, it was hard to focus mm-hmm. when you're just showing things that are it, it could have that was two seconds. Why are we there for ten or fifteen seconds watching elephants' feet? Um, I did find it interesting though how uh, Mrs. Moore and Judy Davis, their characters uh, were really. Uh, 
they were standing up for the the Indian people and they questioned the treatment of the Indian people. And I really like that. And I, I really like that they had those conversations within the film. Um, there's one scene where they uh, where they get off the ship when they first arrive to India and the old hag um, that's there, um, she's, she's being driven around and she has a, a handkerchief up to her nose. Um, that was really relatable to me because that's what I look like anytime I leave the house. Um, just because, just because I hate people. Um, yeah. and, like, it's just, it was just like, yeah, that's, that's literally me on the TTC, just like, ugh, people. Um, so, so I, like, I, I found that there, there was opportunity and they took it. Um, like when, when, uh, Dr. Aziz and, and Mrs. Moore first meet at the mosque, Mm -hmm. I found that to be a really nice moment where she is coming from a place of curiosity and she's, you know, she's like, okay, I, I took off my shoes, so I'm allowed to be at the mosque. And, and she, she's showing that she knows a little bit. Uh, and she's also trying to learn more. And, and I mean, that was really the point of, of the movie was these two women learning more about the Indian culture outside of them just kind of being servants to uh, white people. Um, but I did find the climax of the movie to be uh, like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, it, I... I wasn't uh, I wasn't moved at that at that moment and and at the end of the film it just kind of like it just kind of ended and it was confusing and um, you know there he of of course Doctor Aziz was was uh, set free and and it, you know he didn't he didn't do anything wrong um, but I I really felt like they could have. Uh, really dove deep into why do people have prejudices and and their, mm. the classism that was going on and and all of that stuff and uh, they just it, it was almost as if the film accepted that racism is real and there's nothing we can do about it and if you want to not have racism then you need to go and 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 move away from from white people and I, I found that was like it, it was just kind of like no like girl he's a doctor. So like he's kind of saving lives, yeah. Um, and, and like his saving grace was like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna not deal with white people, and I'm I'm gonna go away. So there wasn't really this like learning moment that they kind of built you up for uh, in in the beginning. I understand, yeah, sort of what you're saying. Like, uh, but at the same time, like in the 1980s, like accepting that racism is just well, like there's nothing you can do about it. Like that was kind of just like the fragrance that like everyone was wearing. Um, yeah. Like, especially at, keep in mind, like the Oscars as well. Like, I would probably say, like, up until like 10 years ago, like the voting committee, it was like 95% white, old white guys. So, yeah. like, you know, these types, having a, a, a real honest conversation about race, I mean, these kinds of films are important because it does give context, you know, to conversations that we have now and how much better that we can do and more that we can improve upon um, when we're talking about, like, you know, race and discrimination and representation, like, in movies. Um, what's kind of interesting, though, was that, um, so, okay. Okay, here we go. So, uh, Sat... Yejit Ray, who hoped um, to direct the adaptation of the book, recommended uh, Victor 
uh, Banerjee for the role of Dr. Aziz. Um, after some hesitation, David Lean cast him, um, but he had to overcome insane restrictions of British equity to employ an Indian actor. Um, Lean obviously eventually got his way, um, and the casting was like a big fucking deal like in India and like made headlines everywhere. It was a matter of national pride that an Indian uh, was cast instead of an Asian from England. So in a way, this movie did have some like racial victories and did have a very important conversation about race and nationality and representation. Um, but obviously to today's standards, it's just a pile of puke. Yeah. Um, but uh, I apparently David Lean and Judy Davis had a lot of onset clashes and she accused him of having quote lost his touch since he hadn't done a movie in 14 years. Um, and which is a very rude thing to say. Apparently he did not get along with um, his crew and his other cast members. Apparently he's very, very difficult to work for. Um, that was mostly what I read about this film. I didn't really read a lot of stuff about Judy Davis, except for that. Um, she only, she got the role after, like a, a meeting uh, with David Lean and she got it based on her interpretation of what happened in the caves. And she said that um, her character just couldn't cope with her own sexuality. So she freaks out and runs. And because that was her interpretation, that's why David Lean cast her. Um, I will give Judy Davis points for the fact that she does a stunning uh, high society British accent because she is very Australian. And I think that the masters of accents are Australians. They can do an American accent flawlessly. They can do a British accent flawlessly. They can do a Scottish accent flawlessly. It's like the Australians, they just know what they're doing when it comes to accents in acting roles. And so you really, I'm going to give her uh, a, so many brownie points for that. But um, yeah, I just kind of found that like Judy Davis, uh, both uh, Judy Davis and Peggy Ashcroft were just kind of the best part. And also um, Victor Vanier uh, J were uh, the, um, the really just the best parts of the, the, the movie. And um, I'm really sad that uh, he didn't, he didn't get nominated. He, he probably could have won. Uh, but again, like we don't have that conversation about representation at the Oscars, uh, you know, at this time in history, but it, he, he probably should have been nominated. And I think he could have won if yeah. it was done today. But I, I really think that Judy Davis, um, I, I think she does a wonderful job in this film and, um, I uh, I liked watching her journey of her um, sort of confusion and her prejudice and her um, eventual like, you know, uh, trip back home and you don't really see her anymore and the movie's not really about her. And I like that it's not about her. It's more about Dr. Aziz and I like the way that that yeah. was framed. And yeah, I, I think for me um, so far of all the people that we've talked about, I think Judy Davis is uh, the strongest person in, in these these films. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, just for time's sake, though, let's just move on. Unless you have anything else that you would like to add, it was a it was a fine film. Yes, fine film. I had to watch this because I know that you said that it was like really drawn out, or like things would happen, like the courtroom thing was like three hour, three minutes, and then there were other things where it was like a journey for like twenty. I think that was like David Lean's style because, like, at the time, like audiences weren't used to seeing these big cinematic like landscapes because it was like a lot of black and white TVs and to see that on the big screen was like, if you couldn't afford to travel, this was the closest thing that you would get to like a, 
you know, a David Attenborough, like nature documentary, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like high definition because most television screens were crap back in the day. So I think that maybe that was part of the reason why you have these big, long, like landscape cinematic sequences. Cause yeah, you're right. They did drag, but I had to watch this movie in four parts because I was like working on a TV show in Calgary last week. So I was like watching it on a plane, like in a, in the airport, I was like in a hotel. So like, I didn't really notice that that much. Cause I only watched it in like 20, 30 minute chunks. Right. Um, but anyway, let's move on to our winner. Sally field for places in the heart. Sally Field, uh, this was her second Academy Award, and her first was for Norma Ray. And frankly, I think that Norma Ray was a much more interesting film and a much more interesting performance. Um, but this, of course, is the famous Oscar speech that everybody quotes wrong. And she says, you know, the first time I didn't feel it, but now I, I know that you like me. I feel liked and you really like me, you know, or, or what, even even I'm misquoting it. But the thing that everybody says is you like me, you really like me and blah, blah, blah. Like she never actually said it like that. But um, one of those historical things that are always misquoted. But this is arguably the most famous Oscar speech of all time was for this film. I would say it's more memorable than the film itself. Um <laughs> Because we still talk about and quote that you like me, you really like me, which is not what she said, but we all misquote it as that. And the film itself, Places in the Heart, I think if you were to ask most people, they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, So this is our third of three farm movies, Places in the Heart. In central Texas in the 1930s, a widow with two small children tries to save her small 40-acre farm with the help of a blind border and an interrent black handyman which was actually um uh danny glover's first lead uh film role he was the handyman that comes in another film that talks about like race in the south and there's like cotton picking and then um the at the very beginning like her husband who was the sheriff gets killed by a drunk black boy by total accident um and then they literally kill this boy and like drag him by the throat through the streets, like by the back of a cart. So there's a lot of really dark, there's a scene where uh, the Ku Klux Klan comes in and starts like harassing and beating up um, Danny Glover. There's a lot of really dark themes going on in this movie. Um, John Malkovich was nominated for a supporting role uh, for playing a blind man. I would honestly give the supporting um, Oscar nomination to Danny Glover over John Malkovich. I think that he did more like physically and emotionally. And um, Sally, I I would say this places in the heart is of the three country movies. This was definitely the best country movie, like of these three nominations. Um, I think it was probably one of the more compelling stories, but there's this thing with Sally field that she just has this like, motherly thing about her that you just really love her for and you just root for her. Um, But at the same time, I think one of my biggest criticisms of the film, and again, I've talked about this before in the podcast where it's like, you have to remember like in terms of context of the time and how people didn't talk about their feelings back then, but there wasn't really any period of mourning for her husband. It was more like, 
talking to the bank. How am I going to save the farm? What am I going to do? How am I going to support my kids? Can I ask my sister for um, money? Oh, she doesn't have any because it's during the depression. It's 1935 in Texas. Nobody has money. Um, I, I just wish that there was a little bit more of like an emotional journey for her character because she fucking lost her husband and she was on extremely hard times, but she was always kind of in like a very good mood. And that kind of killed it for me a little bit um, because I think Sally Field is, is, is wonderful. Um, but I just... I don't know. Like, I just, maybe she didn't have this big emotional journey because it was the thirties and it was all about true grit and you had to be tough and you had to, but you know, behind closed doors, she's human. And I wish that I would have seen that emotional journey of her character. And I think that that was the thing that was lacking, but you know, it's a good performance. It's a fine performance um, in like a, a, a pretty compelling movie of all the country movies. I'd say this was the best one. Um, it won yeah. best writing um, at the Oscars and also best actress, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I just think like emotionally speaking, uh, I just think there were some scenes that were missing for me. But anyway, uh, Dylan, what did you think? I, I, I mean, I, again, I, I agree with you. Um, I also found that this, uh, when it when it comes to when it comes to her her performance, it's it's very similar to to the other movies where there is an opportunity for her to have this like big moment of you know emancipation, if you will. Um, but it, it just kind of was was left without any depth. Now this movie out of the five certainly. Uh, tackled head on a lot of the the issues and and it I felt as if this this movie created a little bit more of uh, of emotion and closed that emotion as well so rather than just kind of like brushing over some of the topics it did kind of you know go in deeper now um her husband was shot and 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 killed and she was left with with the farm and and kind of taking care of two kids and and the few chickens that they had um and and she didn't really have this emotional moment but i what i found was instead of having that emotion she had this innocence about her and this eagerness which i found quite enjoyable watching and you know the scene where she goes into the bank for the first time and and she pulls out a check and she says can you show me how to write this mm. i i found that to be very sweet and um and and powerful in its own way with her innocence. I think she did a, a really great job at portraying somebody who is just trying to get by and just trying to get through things and present in a strong way for her children, uh, which you didn't really see much of, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can understand, you know, that kind of argument. It's just there are so many like like Steel Magnolias or like Mrs. Doubtfire or Norma Ray. I don't honestly even Lincoln. Like when I think of Sally Field, it's like I think of these as like Oscar moments or potential Oscar moments. When I think of or you know, when when I think of watching this film places in the heart, you know, it's interesting. I, I didn't like dislike the movie. I, I did enjoy, um, this movie. I, I, 
would say the part of the movie that I really didn't care about was that affair that Ed Harris was having. Yes. I just, I like cool. Like I just didn't really, I don't really know how that like added to the story really. Like kind of, it didn't, it was so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it. It was, it it had no connection to the main plot of, of the story. And it it just, it it was so unneeded. I also, um, one part of the movie that I thought was just in in terms of like a blockbuster value that I enjoyed was um, that tornado scene where like the whole town just gets like leveled. Um, It was kind of nice to have some action in these films because a lot of these films are very like about like an emotional journey. Um, So it was nice to kind of see something, um, you know, like that uh, in the movie. Um, Again, I also didn't really see how they recovered from that, how they built the house back up, how they, um, you know, I don't know. Was there damage to the field with the cotton? Like, did they have to do any damage control on that? Like there were just things in the movie that I wish I would have seen. I think um, my, one of my more favorite scenes is whenever she has to negotiate the price of cotton Mm -hmm. and she has no idea what she's doing, but she's still very determined to yeah. get the price that she wants. And I think that, that those kinds of scenes seem very simple, but it's actually quite difficult to portray those kind of, um, you're, it's a, there's a lot of layers to that of, of yeah. being innocent, but also like being determined. Like there's a, there's a very specific way of doing that. And I think, you know, that to me was kind of the, the, the most interesting um, scene of the film from her performance. But I think, uh, like, I feel like I'm being, uh, such a complainer, but I just, I don't know. I kind of wanted more from her. Like I, and I just don't know if I, um, I enjoyed the film. I just didn't, I think it was a good performance. I don't think it was great. Well, to be fair, um, none of these movies are like really crazy good movies. Yeah. Right. So, um, I don't, maybe it was just a, a, a slow movie year. Um, but like, I, I did find, I, I, this was the movie that I enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, will I watch it again? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> did I enjoy the movie? No, but I enjoyed it the <laughs> most. I enjoyed it the most. Uh, I, I did find, uh, I did find myself, I wouldn't say captivated, uh, but certainly, uh, I was, I was itching for my phone least with this movie. I think I feel the same way. I actually had to rent this movie because I, it was so difficult to find um, a version online that was like decent enough to watch. So I, I just paid the five bucks to rent it, and um, I think it was, wor- I think it was worth the rental. Like it was definitely. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It was probably the most enjoyable film to watch, which is yeah. probably why it won like the Oscar for best writing. But this film was nominated for like a lot of Oscars, like best picture, best director, best set de- decoration, best writing, best supporting actor, best blah, blah, blah. like just like a lot of it was. So this was a very, very critically acclaimed uh, film. Um, but uh, so yeah, it, it makes sense that this was the most enjoyable, but no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, 
Okay, but do you have anything else that you want to add specifically to her performance before we select our winner? So again, for me, what really won me over with this movie, uh, with with her role, was that innocence and and how it played into strength as well. Um, and she, this was, um, I mean, aside from the Bostonians, this was. Uh, the only movie that really wasn't reliant on the male character, uh, so it was it was really nice to to see uh, to to see her go through this. Um, but yeah, like you know, like I said, I didn't enjoy it, but it was the most enjoyable of the five. But also to what you're saying, you're right. This was actually kind of one of the only like true lead actress films because yeah. Vanessa Redgrave was here and there. Jessica Lang was in most of the movie, but a lot of it was also about her husband as well. Sissy Spacek in the river. The movie was really about Mel Gibson, Judy Davis in a passage to India. There was moments where it was very much about her, but it was also very much about Peggy Ashcroft. And it was also very much about, um, you know, the, the, the doctor Aziz. So Sally field in places in the heart. This is only of all these films. This is the true lead actress nominated performance. Yeah. In terms of like, if you're like, just in terms of like how you would describe the category, like this is the real lead. She's because yeah. she, the whole movie's about her. Also, it's very interesting to see the movie um, that probably inspired, I shot the sheriff, <laughs> but I did not shoot the deputy. She didn't do it. Literally. I, I wonder, you know, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> That's silly. Um, okay, that was just for poops and giggles. I have no idea when I shot the sheriff came out. I'm assuming the 70s. Um, okay, so Dylan, uh, let's just start a rumor. Dylan um, Mahani, you are my guest of honor. So please reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to first. So I feel the Oscar should have gone to... Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, really? Anybody? Well, let me tell you, this absolutely was the performance of the year in 1985 because the fact that she pretended for two hours that this was a movie worth acting in deserves <laughs> an Oscar. That is acting at its core. She didn't even show up to the Oscar ceremony when they were having it, even though she was nominated because it was such a shit movie. And the fact that she was able to stomach through it the whole time it deserves, like she needs a Vanguard award. Like this is a, a lifetime achievement award worthy performance because this movie was such a sack of shit. Um, and, and she, she deserves all of the accolades for committing for committing. You cannot find anything with her and this movie outside of her inside of this movie um, yeah, I was, I was surprised to know that she didn't, like, she wasn't even there, uh, to, to sit and clap for Sally Field as she accepted the, the Oscar. Um, <laughs> it, it made she, sense. She knew, you know, she, she knew. <laughs> she, she, she absolutely knew. She, she, she did, the, she did the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, that's very funny. Okay, um, I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Mel Gibson in his underwear. No. Um, I could watch that for an hour easily. I mean, the the fact that the underwear held itself on, I would be holding on tighter. <laughs> than, and the, than and the abs underwear. and the beard and the blue eyes. It was all working for me. I could I could watch an hour of that, but I don't know if I'd last an hour. Um, that's generous. No, I think that the Oscar should have gone to Judy Davis for A Passage to India because I think that it was the more interesting performance. I think it was the more emotionally complex performance. I also think that um, she had wonderful um, scenes uh, with Dr. Aziz. And I think that um, the, it was very confusing subject matter, especially like what happened in the cave and what didn't happen and the way that she interpreted that I thought was very effective. I thought her accent was incredible considering she's Australian. Um, And uh, if, I will almost say that she could have won like best supporting and then Peggy Ashcroft could have won best lead. That's very interchangeable, but that's not the, that's not how it went down. Uh, but for me, I, I think Judy Davis um, was the most uh, interesting and compelling performance of, um, of these five nominees. Okay. Dylan Mahaney. Um, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I already mentioned it off the top, but where can people find you on social media? At stand up Dylan. Perfect. And is it also like, are, are you on TikTok as well? I am on the TikTok as well. Millions of views over there as well. Um, I post shows, I post funny videos. So, so whatever I'm doing, you'll be able to, you'll, you'll be able to catch me wherever I am on, on those (laughs) platforms. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for being a guest and uh, maybe we'll see you again. We'll see you in another year. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.